This is a free download from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at LeBanks, St Samson's in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. Say that uh, if you weren't here last week, uh, we have got some notes at the back and also they're online, so if you want to go onto the website, you can download notes from last week as well, which is good. I thought it'd be good to see the notes because I just think it's, I think, I think the Lord's Prayer is one of these things that we, we can get so familiar with it and yet really lose the, the power of it, the impact of it, because we're kind of familiar with it. And, and I just felt a real stirring in my heart for us to really get into to the grips of this because, as I said last week, uh, the whole Lord's Prayer comes out of a, 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 really a desire for the disciples. And this was their desire. Lord, teach us to pray. Someone said this, that, that Jesus never taught his disciples how to preach. We taught them how to pray. <laughs> and after that, so they, that's such a vital thing that he realized the most important thing that the disciples needed to learn was how to pray. And so how did that cry ask, Lord, how do we pray? And, I think this, that the, I think I shared last week that the disciples had witnessed Jesus praying. They saw how he prayed. They saw the power in which he prayed. They saw the effects by which he prayed. I think I shared last week at Lazarus' tombs. Father, thank you, you've heard me. Lazarus, rise up. You know, that kind of impact. And when you see someone pray like that and you see the result of that, you know what you say? Teach me how to do that. Teach me how to pray. And it really came out of that. That sense of, as, as they examined the prayer life of Jesus, they wanted to pray like he prayed. They wanted to see the results that he kind of saw. And so they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And out of that came the Lord's Prayer. I think I shared last week, the Lord's Prayer isn't some formula. It's a pattern. It's a pattern. It's One thing I was strikes about this prayer, almost every single situation that you face is right there in that prayer. There's not a circumstance that you don't, you and I face that some way is not entailed in that prayer. Isn't that amazing? So short, and yet everything is entailed in it. And I think if we can get the kind of principles, the, the kind of, the, the, the kind of, the heart of this prayer, then we're going to see the same results. Amen. We're going to see the same impact for anyone who learns to pray this prayer. And so I said often familiarity, they say familiarity breeds contempt. So almost it's a, we kind of pull away from it because we say it at funerals, we know it in all kinds of ways. So we tend not to use it very much. And yet it's awesome. And if we could get some of the principles and, and begin to learn to pray this way, we're going to see amazing results. Amen. And I think last week we saw this thing where Jesus said, we looked at last week where he said, the, the whole basis of the prayer, if I put it this way, it's relational. So if you miss the, the relational part, then nothing else comes over. So the beginnings of this prayer was our Father in heaven. I said last week, the word Father is Abba. So it begins with a realization, a revelation that he's your Abba, he's your Dada, he's your Father. The same God that created the heavens and the earth is actually your Daddy, Abba. And that's the Hebrew word, Abba, Daddy. It's, it's a word of familiar, it's, it's a word of of, of a child, a young child speaking to their father, Daddy, Abba. Intimacy, it's a word of intimacy. And so, if the Lord's prayer is to be effective, we've got to have intimacy with Father. We've got to know Father. We've got to know Him as a Father. A revelation of His Father heart. And also to understand the word is children. It comes out of sonship. Knowing He's our Father and knowing that we are sons of God. That's where the prayer begins. Knowing who your Father is, having a revelation of your Father, 
And secondly, knowing that you are his child, your sonship. Knowing you're a son of God. As I said last week, if you're a son, that means you have certain rights as privileges, not because of what you've done, but because of the family that you belong to. I think I shared last time that, you know, the, if the postman must have come into your house, go to the fridge and start making sandwiches, you think, you know, that's just not good. But if your children, which they tend to do, well, be in your fridge and get all the food and everything, <laughs> most of the food, no one is joking. Uh, the, 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 the point is that you, 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 you have no issue with that because they're your children, it's that relationship. So they have rights and privileges because of their relationship. And it's the same with us, between father. We have rights and privileges, not because of us, but because that we are his children. Our father in heaven. Hallowed, the word hallowed is the last time, means, it means to separate, to sanctify. But the word hallowed also means to honour. And really it's, it's worship. God, I honour you. You're my Father in heaven and I worship you. I hallow you. I hallow your name. His name represents who he is. And there's many names of God in the Bible. We looked at last one last week. But all the names represent the character of God is. So we need a, a revelation, an understanding of who God is. And we say, hallow your name. You're so great. We hallow who you are. We worship you. So we, we recognize he's our father, we recognize our sonship, and then we worship him. And then we come to the part of the prayer we're going to look at. If you look at your notes there, there's a quote, that was a brilliant quote, which sort of summed up the Lord's Prayer. It says, the model, remember it's a model prayer. The model of our prayer taught by Jesus is shallow enough for a baby to bathe in and deep enough for elephants to swim through. And he says, what a marvellous paradox. That is awesome, because that's the amazing thing about the Lord's Prayer. The simplest child can pray this prayer, or, or the, simple, the person who's only been a Christian a day can pray this prayer, as well as the person who's been Christians decades and are maturing God. It's, it covers, it's so deep, it's so, it's so deep that it goes deeper and deep, you can go deeper and deeper into it. And I just saw that kind of description of it. Anyway, Matthew 6, verse 9, let's kind of read it again. And a lot of the truth of it is sort of... Get to us, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread as we forgive our debtors, as we forgive, as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. And amen. So let's look at that phrase there, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let me just say one thing, that prayer really, when you, when you really sum up prayer, it's, it's simple, we could simply put prayer into this category. Prayer is communication. Ultimately, it's just communication. It's you communicating with God, and God communicating with you. You know what the one thing that causes relationships to break down? Probably more than anything else. You know what causes, you know what the major breakdown in, in, in relationships are? You know what it is? Communication. But once communication breaks down, so the relationship becomes effective. And often where relationships are damaged, that's the first thing that goes. Communication no longer happens. And I say sometimes that's the same with God. And when we no longer communicate with him, then ultimately our relationship with him becomes affected and damaged. So prayer is about communication. 
It's about us learning to communicate with God. And it's two-way. And God communicating with us. Isn't that wonderful? And so I, I want to sort of just to see that as we, as we see this. And notice as we come to hallow be your, uh, sorry, your kingdom come. You know, this begins, if I use this term, the, 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 the part of the prayer, the, 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 there is the petition. I want you to see how this prayer really is focused. It begins with praise, it then the middle part is petition, and it ends with praise. And I kind of like that. That's a, that's, a good, that's a good pattern for your prayer life. Begin with praise, enter into petition, and then you're back into praise. Now, I want you to, and, I, and I think sometimes as Christians we can lose this sense that, that God really wants us to ask. Do you realize that? That God wants you to ask. It's not, you know, we often think, well, it's so selfish to ask, but actually God wants you to ask. There's so many scriptures that tell us to ask. He says that if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Look at just a little bit further over in the, in the, in the, in the chapter, Matthew 7, verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek your fine knock, and it will be opened to you. Listen to what he says. You receive not because you what? Ask not. Psalm 20, which I, I really love. Part of that psalm says, May the Lord fulfill your petitions. And, and you'll find and throughout the Gospels, a scripture after scripture, that we are told to ask. But notice this. I think petitions are fulfilled by this kind of, kind of sense. Notice where it begins. Your kingdom, your will, then give us this day our daily bread. I want you to see that, that kind of sense because that's the one thing. It's not about just being self-centered. It actually begins with saying, God, your kingdom, your will be Done. In other words, we can know our petitions will be fulfilled because we began with our focus on God. And as we learn to focus on God and say, thy kingdom, thy will be done, there's the incredible thing I found this happen. The more I begin to focus and center on God, the more he begins to work on my desires. And he begins to sort of begin to change my desires so my desires come in line with his will and his purpose. Look what the psalm says. Delight yourself in the Lord. What's the result of focusing and delighting yourself in God? He says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you what? The desires of your heart. And it's almost this sense, as I begin to that, that if you, if you, if you are, if you're like, if you're delighting in someone, you know what you, you want to do? You want to please them, is that true? You want to do things that, that, that please them. And it's almost this sense, as I delight in God and enjoy God and focus on him and, and spend time with him, in an incredible way, he begins to so work on my desires that my desires begin to be in line with his desires. In other words, I begin to love what he loves and I begin to hate what he hates because God is, because I'm so focused, so caught up with this desire to delight in him he begins to so work on my desires that my desires come in line with him and almost I become in harmony with his will. 
So here's the point. If I ask anything according to what his will, he will do it for me. So I'm delighting myself and he's working on my will and my desires. But he wants us to ask. And I think as I begin to learn to focus on him and delight myself in him and I begin to ask him of things, you know, I think it stops, I think it stops what I call reactionary prayer. Because a lot of people, their, their prayer life is reactionary. They only pray when they have a crisis. They only pray when they have a problem. They only pray when they have a, when they have a worry. So actually their prayer life is conditioned by reaction. That they react, they react to their circumstances. So if it's challenging and difficulties, then they tend to have a prayer life. If everything's going wonderful, then their prayer life begins to dim, diminish. And the idea of this is, when I learn to say, thy kingdom, thy will be done, then it stops me having a reactionary prayer life, because my focus is on God. Amen? I'm praying because I'm, I want to be with him. I want to enjoy him. It's not reactionary. It's putting his interests first. Thy Kingdom come. That is the true perspective of prayer. It's focusing on his kingdom and his will, and out of that becomes birth your own needs in your own situations. Now, when you think of this word, his kingdom. Now, I would love, I really would love to be a Greek scholar. I, I, I just would love, I, I just wish I could kind of, I think, when you understand, you know, a lot of the, the Greek language, if you like, it, it just brings it brings out so much, so much amazing things. And and it, how many realise that the Greek language is often very difficult to the? It's very different to the English language. And one of the differences is the way they do tense. You know, English language does, doesn't have so many tense. But in Greek, if you read that in English, it says your kingdom come. It almost gives the idea that the ears not yet come. Is that true? Come, you know, kingdom come. But actually, in the Greek, it's actually in continuous tense. It means this. This means let your king, your your kingdom come, and let it keep coming. It's it's continuous. Your kingdom has come, but let your kingdom keep coming. Is that awesome? Let the kingdom keep coming. In other words, it's something progressive. It's already come, but it's all, but it's continuing to come. And so, what we're praying, we're praying for the kingdom. To continually come into circumstances, into situations. We're praying for the continuation of that kingdom to grow and to manifest and grow. Let your kingdom come and let it continue to come. Now, I think on the no so I've actually defined because it's a, I mean, you know that you could spend years really. And you know, you could I've seen I've got books probably about that thick on the kingdom of God, not true, Nicole. I mean, theology is full of the kingdom. Because you know what? Jesus spoke about the kingdom probably more than anything else. Is that true? It's interesting. The only word, he only mentioned the word twice, he only mentioned the word church twice, but he mentioned the kingdom a lot. And so it's, we're talking about being kingdom focused. What does the kingdom mean? And really the kingdom of God actually is sovereign government on earth. It means royal Rule and realm. And it's the idea foundation of power. In other words, the kingdom is the realm in which he establishes his will here and now through the redeeming work of his son in the lives of his people. And he wants us to be active participants in spreading the kingdom of God, expanding the kingdom. And the kingdom of God is his will and his dominion ex- exercised on earth as it is in heaven. 
And that's why our king, his kingdom should really be our priority. Your kingdom come. Really, it's the rule of God. We're praying for God to release his rule on earth, where? As it is in heaven. The rule of God, his kingdom. In other words, as we pray, your kingdom come, we're saying, let your government, let your rule come to earth. Let it come to earth. Ever thought about this, the kingdom? What is the kingdom? The kingdom is God's rule. It's God's dominion. What's it like? You know what Jesus says the kingdom's like? It's like heaven. That's what he said. This life is like heaven. What's heaven like? You think what heaven's like. And we thought, in that realm of the kingdom, you know what? There's no sickness. Isn't that true? In heaven, in, king, in that kingdom, there's no sickness. There's no torment. There's no depression. There's no hopelessness. So when we pray for the kingdom to come, we have access to the impossible. We're saying, let your kingdom come. Let your world, your dominion, come crashing into our world, our earth. And when that happens, sickness, torment, bondage cannot stand. Because the worlds are colliding. And guess what kingdom wins, amen? The kingdom of God. Let your kingdom come. Because when the kingdom comes, it's like, it's like being in a dark room. You just switch the light on. The darkness was there, but the moment you switch the light on, darkness is driven out. And this is this prayer. We're saying, Lord, we're praying for your dominion, your rule, your kingdom to come. And when it comes, things are driven out. Can you say amen? Things are driven out. It's like this sense that we, that, that out of intimacy with God, our Father in heaven, we're saying, Lord, out of that intimacy, we want to release your rule and your kingdom. We want it to be released. And when that happens, when the kingdom comes, the kingdoms of darkness have to flee. Jesus came that he might destroy all the works of the devil. And when we're praying for the kingdom to come, we're praying the destruction of the works of the enemy. What we're doing, we're pulling to earth whatever is in heaven's realm. Health, deliverance, peace, joy, forgiveness, miracles. We're praying that realm in so that people can be free and delivered and healed. Amen. Do you know what? There's a difference, and I don't think it's a vast difference, they kind of connect a little bit, between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. How many have seen that where Jesus speaks about the kingdom of heaven and also he speaks about the kingdom of God? The kingdom of heaven is the realm of God's presence. It's where God is, the heaven, the kingdom is. It's, if you like, it's the, it's the location, it's a spiritual location from which God rules and influences the earth. It's the dwelling place. It's the atmosphere of his throne. You see, it's our Father, where is he? In heaven. When we pray, we're praying and coming into the realm of heaven. How many realize that? 
And that's the place where we want to hear from God. I want you to see that important because when we talk about the kingdom of God coming, we've got to learn to hear from heaven what God is saying. What is God saying to you? He speaks into our situations. In that heaven realm, he speaks. And here's what I want you to see what happens. That when God speaks his word to our hearts, we take that word and then we declare that word. The word that we've heard from heaven, that, that word. We, we hear it and then we declare it and we release it. And when we declare and release the word that God has given to us, you know what we're doing? We're releasing the kingdom. We're releasing the kingdom into that circumstance, into that situation. We're taking that word that we've received from heaven. We're praying that word out. And as we pray that word out and we declare that word out, we release something of the kingdom. And if you like, the kingdom of heaven is the invisible realm. And when that kingdom is manifested, the kingdom of heaven becomes the kingdom of God. I love it. Your will be done. Let your kingdom come. Anyone would love that to happen. You think what happens when the kingdom comes, when the rule of God comes. I thought what Guernsey would look like. Think about this in your mind. Think what would happen if there was a full release of the kingdom of God in Guernsey. Think what would happen. Addictions would go. People's broken hearts would be healed. Is that true? You know, the injustice would be gone. All kinds of things would be, would go if there's a full release of the kingdom of heaven. I don't know if you've ever seen the videos, they're amazing videos. I've seen a few, I forget what they're called now, but they talk about what happens in certain parts of the world when the kingdom comes. Have you ever seen those videos? Different parts of the world. For example, agriculture changes, for example. And the, the stories of people who really saw the kingdom really come into their kind of local kind of circumstance, their local situation, their local place where they live. And, and carrots are just huge carrots. The whole, the whole agriculture changes. The whole of the land, which was, wasn't producing anything, suddenly now begins to produce things. And there's these videos of these guys carrying these huge carrots. It's incredible. Because as they pray, let your kingdom come, it began to invade even the land that was dry and a famine land. It became productive. Isn't that awesome? Other times, other times where people began to pray your kingdom come, there was often places where there were gangs ruling the, the, ruling the place. Drugs were totally out of control and there was gangs and crime right out of control. And as they began to pray, say, let your kingdom come and really believed it. And as the kingdom began to invade that particular circle, that particular situation, the crime rate began to fall. All the people, all the gangs began to move out. The, the drugs began to be stopped. And suddenly now the whole culture is changed because they prayed, let your kingdom come. For others, they're under great corruption. And as they began to cry out to God, let your kingdom come, often the, the people left or resigned and, and things began to change. Over a period of time, the whole rule, of, the whole area, the whole kind of atmosphere of those places began to totally and be radically changed. How many believe that God can do that in Guernsey? Is that true? If it were just a group and body of people who really believe that, they, that God's kingdom could change the things, sometimes some of the things we see, 
it would happen. I really believe that. That God's kingdom, when it invades a particular realm, a particular place, everything changes. Nothing's the same again. Things that are contrary to his rule are broken and removed. What's happening? The atmosphere, the culture of heaven is being released. The culture of joy, of peace, of justice. It's beginning to be manifested and released because God's rule is coming. And God wants his rule to be expanded and released in every part of this world. Amen. He just needs his people to cooperate with him. His kingdom. It's almost when the kingdom comes, there's this conflict, there's this explosion. It's interesting that the moment Jesus began his ministry, there was this explosion, this conflict. What happened? Demons began to manifest themselves. There's very rarely little talk of the demonic, in, in often glimpses. There's no real mention of demons, very rarely, in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, boom, there's explosions all over the place. Is that true? Because Jesus now is beginning to bring his kingdom about. And the moment he does that, the conflict rises up. Now, I never want you to think that the devil's kingdom is, is the same as God's kingdom. It's far, far less. It's totally inferior. Amen? Because his kingdom now is a defeated kingdom. And I want you to get a hold of that. And when you're praying for the kingdom of God, you're praying for Jesus to enforce his victory over things that are contrary to his rule and control. So whenever you see something, you say, you know what, that is contrary to the kingdom. And I'm praying for Jesus to enforce his victory over that situation that is contrary to his rule and his authority. Amen. And so they become, and what we're doing, we're, we're, we're driving back the forces and powers of darkness and enforcing the victory that Jesus already won. His kingdom is far, far superior to the devil's kingdom. Can you say amen? But nevertheless, we battle not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. That's why this prayer is so vital. We're praying, God, let your kingdom come. That everything, that whatever the enemy is ruling, we're praying for your kingdom to break that control, to break that rule, to let your kingdom come. As it is in earth, let it be. As it is in heaven, let it be on earth. Can you say amen? Now, don't think about the kingdom as this. Do you know where the kingdom is? Do you know where it is right now? Jesus says the kingdom of God is it's right within you. <laughs> is that true? So when I pray, let your kingdom come, Actually, I'm praying, God, rule in my life. Rule in my life. How can we ask God to rule in something else if he's not ruling in us? And we're saying, Lord, come. Be sovereign in my life. Be Lord in my life. When you get saved, the moment you get saved, the kingdom comes within you. Isn't that wonderful? But I want to see. I want to ask you this question. Is that still true when you, is that still true when things don't go the way you want them to go? Is that true? Is that still true when circumstances rise up against you and when, when things seem to be not going good for you? Are you letting him still be king in your heart? Is he still king when everything else seems to be falling apart? Let your kingdom come. Lord, be king in my heart. 
I give you authority. I, I allow you to rule and reign in my heart. Let your kingdom come on earth as it needs, as it is in heaven. Now, let's look at the next part of it. There's a big challenge. Let me just say one thing about the kingdom as well. As well, praying for the kingdom come. The kingdom will be fully manifested in all its fullness when the king comes back. Amen. We're actually praying, and we're praying, we're seeing levels of it, but the greatest manifestation of the kingdom coming is when Jesus comes. That's the full manifestation of the kingdom coming when the king fully comes. Can you say amen? Somebody say that's a good thing to pray. Let your kingdom come. Okay, here's the next one. Let your will be done. Yeah, this is what we're doing. We're saying, Lord, let your interests be first. In other words, for his will, we have to align ourselves in harmony with his will. The will of God is the mind and the heart and the intentions of God. It's his intent and it's his purpose. And as and I look at the Lord Jesus. You know what he said? He says, you know what I've come to do? I've come to do the Father's will. His life was a life where he was totally submitted to the will of his Father. So I've not come to do my will. I've come to do the will of him who sent me. He says, the words I speak, they're not my words, but the words of the Father has given to me. The works I do aren't my works, but they're the works that the Father's given me to do. And everything he did, it came out of a heart that was totally and completely submitted to his Father. And I think one of the greatest obstacles to the will of God is our will. Our selfish will is the biggest obstacle to God doing his will. And we have to surrender our will to his will. Because when you're, when you're saying, saying, God, I'm giving, you know what will is all about? It's about control. And so you're saying, Lord, I surrender my will to your will. I surrender my intentions to your intentions. I die to my will so your will might be done. How do you realize that there's only one will, really? It's either your will or his will. You can't have a mixture. And so this prayer saying, Lord, I submit myself. To your will. The result of his will is joy, peace, harmony. What happens when we're not in that sense of his will? You know what it is? We feel disturbed. We don't have any peace. We're struggling. There's guilt in our hearts. Because we're not really in that place where we're submitted to his will. But the moment you get to a place, you know what, God? I've been fighting your will for too long. Everyone been there? And there's been this real battle about your will and his will. And there's this struggle, this thing going on. Until you come to the point, you know what? God, I realise something amazing. It's all about you. I want to see something. His will will always work out best for your life. We have a kind of, a kind of perception that sometimes our will is best. We reach a point and say, actually, your will is best, God. I know at the moment it doesn't look that way, but I really believe as I submit my will to your will, 
ultimately it's going to work out for my good and my benefit and my best. His will is always the best. Is that true? The perfect will, his will. And I think sometimes we've got to get to a place, you know what, say, God, you know what? I surrender. I allow myself, I allow my will to be aligned to your will. I'm dying to my agenda. I'm dying to what I want to do. I'm dying to all the things I've been living for right now. And I submit myself to your will. Why is that important? Because how can you pray for God's will to be done if you haven't firstly submitted your own will to him? Amen? And so that's where it begins. Saying, God, I submit my will to your will. And when I die to my will, I think there's incredible benefits when we let him have his. You know what we're saying? We're saying, God, I'm, from now on, I'm getting out of the way. It's, it's a simple thing, but sometimes we just got to get out of the way. I think that that's the, that's the real prayer that sees God move. The moment we realize we've got to get out of the way and let him have his way, then we're going to see some awesome things. Amen? Now notice the second thing. Be in his will. Be in his will. I thought about this. To pray his will, I need to know his will. How can I pray his will if I don't know what his will is? Faith begins when the will of God is known. If you don't know what the will of God is, you're not going to really have much confidence when you pray. If you don't know what the will of God is, there's a lot of uncertainty. But when you pray, let your will be done. You're praying because you know his will. Faith can only operate when the revealed will of God is known. That's where the authority will be. That's where the confidence will be. And I kind of think the will of God is, is something progressive. You, it, it grows. You continue growing and growing into greater awareness and understanding of his will. You know, I think when I was a Christian, a lot of things I didn't know about his will. But the more I've gone on with him, the more I've understood something of his will. Not totally, but I understand more and more of his will. It doesn't mean something that, that's in, like an, but in my heart of hearts, I began to understand more and more of what his revealed will is. And when I understand what his revealed will is, and I really know that's his will, and I know that I know that I know that I know that I know that's his will, I can then pray confidence. Let your will, what? Be done. And there's two things. There is his collective will, and there is his personal will. His collective will is basically this. Being a witness for Jesus is his collective will. Being a disciple is his collective will. Serving is his collective will. Being a worshipper is his collective will. Praying is his collective will. In other words, that's the will of God for everybody. God wants everybody to be a witness for him. God wants everybody to be a worshipper of him. God wants everybody to, to, to be seeking his faith. That is the collective will of God. But also, there is the personal will of God. In other words, that is something specific for your life. Something that's just specific for you. Isn't that wonderful? God has a plan for every single person in this room. Amen? And it's specific. Totally different to everybody else. But we say, Lord, reveal what your will is for me. What is your specific will for my life? What should I be doing with my life? What do you want me to do? And so you begin to pray what his specific will is for your life. 
Let me show you some scriptures here. Listen, listen to the heart of Jesus again. John 5. I just uh, so challenged by the way Jesus made these declarations. John 5 verse 30. He said, I can't do anything of myself. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my will, but the will of the Father who sent me. John 4, verse 34. He says, my food is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. In other words, he says, the thing that energizes my life, the thing that gives me the purpose and the joy is to do his will. And here's what I'm saying. God needs people to do his will. Amen. He just yearns and longs for people who are, who are not going to do their thing, but are going to do his will. In the garden, he said, Lord, let not my will be done, but let thy will be done. And we're not trying, you know, sometimes we get this idea that we're trying to twist God's arm so eventually God will kind of agree with us, you know, and we twist his arm enough to, for him to get him to do our will. But here's the reality is, his will ain't going to change. You've got to get yourself into his will and align yourself to what he wants to do. Resign your agenda, quit your plan, Begin to pick up God's plan. And I said before, it's progressive. I heard something about what the Israeli army said. They were, you know, they, they, lost, they lost a battle in Lebanon. And they said the reason why they lost that battle was because they were, if you like, certain political forces told them to stop still. And this is what the Israeli general said. He said, an army can never win if it stops still. In other words, it's got to get moving forward. And that's the truth of our lives. Unless we are progressively moving into the will of God, then the enemy will defeat us. We've got to keep moving forward, progressively moving forward into his will, because an army moving cannot be defeated, all of it. Let me just finish off this last phrase. Have thought about what it says? In the Greek, it's powerful forceful. Let your will be done. In other words... We have to enforce his will. God says, I want my interests to take effect. I want my will to be done. For example, I want men and women to come to Christ. Your will be done. I want to be healed. Your will be done. I want my people to walk in love. Your will be done. In other words, we're saying, Lord, manifest yourself. Let your will be manifested and done. Let your will be manifested in our workplaces, in our schools, in politics, in all these areas. Let your will be done. People talk about what they call about seven mountains. They are mountains that actually control culture. I mean, you realize that. Things like education, Things like politics, things like leisure. Those kind of mountains control our culture. How many realize that? Finance, those are mountains. And he's saying, Lord, let your will be done on those mountains of influence. Let your will be done in, in the political arena. Let your will be done in the entertainment arena. Let your will be done in all these arenas, in all these areas. Let your will be done. We want to enforce your will. Can you imagine, maybe, for example, 
a political, a, a political situation where the kingdom of heaven is having control and rule on those areas. Can you imagine that, the changes we'd see? Is that true? So let's pray it. Let your will be done in all these areas, in all these situations. Let your will come to pass. And God's saying, I want my will not just to be something that's in, unseen, but I want people to see my will being done. God wants to see a, a practical demonstration of his kingdom in your job, in your home, in your relationship. He wants the values of his kingdom to be revealed and manifested in our own everyday circumstances, situations. So people can see, actually, there's the kingdom. There's the will of God being enforced right before my eyes. The way they live their life. The way they their attitudes, the way they work, is a revelation of the kingdom and the will of God, and it's been demonstrated and being done right before their eyes. He said, Amen. Let your kingdom be done. Heaven touching earth. That's what we're really talking about. How many want to see that? Heaven touching earth and bringing incredible impact. I don't think you have to be very clever to realise our world's in a mess. Is that true? It's an absolute mess. Everything around us, we, we see an absolute mess. We see in our own environment, we see in our own around us, we see incredible destructive things and messes. You know what that should do in our hearts? Because, Lord, please let your kingdom come. I see a life that I work with that is absolutely messed up. Please, Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in their life. They need Jesus right now. Let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom, let the environment of heaven, the joy, the peace, the goodness, let people see something of the environment of heaven being released in our midst. Let your, see, when the kingdom breaks in, nothing's the same again. Things have to go when the kingdom comes. People get saved. You know, well, let me close with this. When the Welsh revival came, which was a kingdom invading earth, if you like, do you know the prisons were empty? They, could, they, they had no one to arrest. There was, they, just the prisons were empty. The police were totally made redundant. The kind of, the, the miners at the time used to have like horses that used to do their bidding, if you like. And because all they were ever used to was the miners swearing at them. And when they didn't do it anymore, they didn't know how to, they couldn't, they didn't know what to do. They didn't know what, they couldn't, they couldn't understand what they were talking about. And the whole culture was changed in a moment. The whole nation was changed. Corruption, all kinds of things were just broken. Addictions, all kinds of things were broken. 100,000 people came to Christ just in a matter of months. People will be running out of the pubs and running into the churches because the kingdom came and invaded that dominion and everything was changed. I believe with all my heart, God could just get a, a heart of, because this prayer is prayer really for your heart. It's not like a, a ritualistic thing. Something that's burdening your heart, Lord, please. This world is in a mess. This island's in a mess. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as is in How many have got people right now that you know the will of God is not being done in their life? How many have got people now you know 
the kingdom, they are, they are really not under any kingdom values or any kingdom influence. Those are people, you say, Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in their life. And you begin to pray that, heaven begins to respond. And heaven begins to invade earth. Amen. Let's just stand right now. Let's lift our hearts right now before the Lord. When you pray that prayer, let your kingdom come. Part of what you say, Lord, let your rule. Just become, just let your rule be done in my life. When you say, let your will be done, you're saying, Lord, I, I kind of lay aside my agendas. and I lay aside my, my things. I lay them down. Let your will. I, I just surrender to your will. Come and rule in my heart. Come and rule in my life. And I think out of that result, then you begin to pray, Lord, let your will be done in other circumstances. Let your kingdom come. I just want you to lift, I just want us to pray for a few moments and lift our hearts right now. Let's pray for the kingdom to come in Guernsey. And you want to see the fullness of the kingdom of God being released in Guernsey. There are too many people, messed up, broken, addicted, all kinds of stuff. And that's not the will of the Father for their lives. I only realize that. So let's cry out before the Lord right now. Let's think of people that you know. And they just need a kingdom invasion right now. They need a touch from heaven. People who are just so far outside the will of Father. And they need to be brought back. Think of those that once were in the will of the Father, but have moved away from his will and his purpose and are just so far away from him right now. Let's say, Lord, I cry to you to now. Let your will be done again in their life. Bring them back. Bring them back. Cry out to the Lord right now. Let your kingdom come. You know, maybe if your own nation right now, if people different nations, we pray for your own nation. Let's say, Lord, let your kingdom come to my nation right now. Let your justice come. Let your rule come. Drive out corruption, Lord. Let your kingdom come. Just cry. Just let music play right now. Just cry it right now. The people, maybe in your workplace, you're seeing things in your workplace that is so opposed to the kingdom and the rule of God. Say, Lord, I pray for my workplace right now. Please let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in my workplace that is just absolutely so far from your, your values right now. Release the kingdom of heaven. Let, let the culture of heaven flow into my workplace right now. Well, let's pray right now. Let's pray right now. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Elam Church. For more downloads, information, or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk.